Amen. Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of 1 Thessalonians. I want to welcome those watching online. Good to see you guys, even though we can't see you. But um, missed you guys last week. It was kind of kind of neat to think that you were here and I was there, and, uh, but I was also here as well. But um, <laughs> tell you, though, I'm, I'm just, you know, talking about uh, the trip with some of the guys in leadership. It's one of those things you just got to go on a trip. You got to go on a mission. It's like when Paul popped his head up in heaven, you know, and he didn't describe it at all because it's one of those things. It's like, how do you tell? My brother Naz here in the front, he knows exactly what I'm talking about when I tell him. You that, man, it was great. God was amazing. God was moving. God was doing miraculous things. And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. But you were out there going like, oh, sounds cool. You got to go. You got to go. But one of the things that the takeaways for me, um, again, we're in Cartagena and a mile away from Cartagena. Cartagena, where we were at, was the resort area. Isla Grande, Boca Grande, that place where it's just high-rise apartments, high-rise hotels, and you know, 1,200 square foot flat for over a million bucks, that kind of a thing. Then you get in a little boat, you go one mile across the bay, and you get on this island, and you just can't believe the poverty that's over there. You walk among the people there, and streets of dirt, and mud, and junk, and people and kids running around, dogs, no running water, just amazed at, at what people are doing. Right now, two hours ahead of us, they're going to sleep. No windows, a lot of them, no doors. Um, they have electricity for the most part, um, but still, just amazing. You know, the crazy thing is, one, one way the Lord gave me opportunity to witness and talk to the, the kids, especially, was we'd ask them, hey, you know, we're from America. We're from California. We're from Los Angeles. I mean, they didn't even know the Lakers, but many of them, Many of them had Disneyland apparel on. Oh, and I picked up on that. Oh, oh, you know Disney, right? Mickey, Mickey, we live where Disneyland is. Ah, they knew where that was. A way to witness to them. But I'm telling you guys, thanks for your prayers. Amazing time. Great ministry going over there on Tierra Bamba. Man, Carolina and Alex just living there on the island and ministering not only there in Tierra Bamba, but we went to a place called Posa Chica um, on the other end of the island. Great opportunities to witness to people, street witness, evangelizing, people coming to the Lord. Right there, you would stop, you would open, you'd have a conversation, you'd begin to talk with them. Before you know it, man, people were holding hands, praying to receive Christ. So great time. So the next time you hear people talk about a mission trip, sign up. It will change your life. It will change your perspective on everything. You come back, and I tell you what, we are so, so spoiled here. We've got it so good, not just here in America, but here at this church. All the stuff that we got, I mean, everything we need. Amazing, amazing. So, anyhow, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 tonight the marks of a healthy Christian slash church. Let's read the first five verses, and we'll jump into this thing. It says, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, 
and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God, of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. The marks of a healthy church. What does a healthy Christian look like, guys? Kind of interesting. You can't really tell from the outside, huh? But there is fruit that comes out from any one of us that speaks of how healthy we are. What can be seen? What can be heard? What can be discerned? Um, will kind of let us know. Hey, are you in good spiritual health or are you in poor spiritual health? And we can use the physical as a point of illustration, right? We've all gone for our physicals, right? You go down to the doctor, he checks your blood, he checks your heart, checks your lungs, checks your cholesterol, your liver. You, you all get the digital exam, if you know what I mean. See, that was the old, all the older guys who were laughing about that. You younger guys, your turn's coming, brothers. But based upon all that stuff, your weight, everything, heart, blood pressure, whatever, they can say, you know what, you're looking pretty good. Clean bill of health or, or he'll say, man, you're overweight. I'm pushing some buttons here, huh? You got high blood pressure. You got high cholesterol. You need work. Your health is bad and, and your wife was right. <laughs> I don't need to go to the doctor. What's wrong with you? You haven't been to the doctor in 20 years. You're going to die on me. Time for some serious change or it's going to get worse. And it can be said about Christians as well. And the churches, man. What are the marks of a healthy church? And this church here, you guys, was on fire. And Paul gives us marks. He gives us information about what these guys were doing. What are some of the things that can be seen that we can determine? You know, that, that's a, a measure of spiritual wellness, basically, that speaks of robust spiritual healthiness, that you're not just saved or alive, but, man, there's, there's a vibrant, strong, growing faith that's happening with you, and people can see it. They can hear it in your voice. They can see it in your eyes. They can see the passion, the fire, the zeal. Saw a lot of that on the mission trip. But sad to say that a lot of us, a lot of people, man, there, there isn't much there. In the physical, you know what, you may be alive, but you know what, you barely got a pulse. I remember when my dad was at the end of his life. Man, and you guys have been there if you have your parents at that age. It's just like, really, you live all your life to come to this place where, you know what, your quality of life is zero. There's, there's a heartbeat, but there's, it's barely there. And it's sad. It's one of the saddest things to see, the person's health deteriorating. Well, the same can be said of Christians. You might be saved, guys. But as far as anything else, there's not much more of a pulse. There's no evidence of the abundant life that Jesus spoke about in John chapter 10. That he came to give life and that more abundant. And sad to say, though, unhealthy Christians, they put a burden on the church, just like when we have to deal with our unhealthy parents, and there's a burden that's on the family. See, and, and the sickness that is within these unhealthy Christians can spread to other Christians to the point where the healthy Christians that come in are affected by the sick Christians. And me personally, in reality, I, I, I believe the church as a whole is sick. It's sick. It's, it's got cancer. It's got cancer. And what is cancer? Of course, we know. It's bad cells that are acting improperly. They go rogue. And they start invading the good areas of the body. And before you know, you've got tumors. 
and you're in trouble. Well, spiritually cancerous Christians are the ones that are not walking properly. Their actions, their attitudes infect the spiritually well. And the church today, of course, could take some lessons from the Thessalonians on what a good, healthy, strong, vibrant church looked like. Because that kind of church is the ones that are needed for today to reach the lost. I mean, think about it. With, with the way the reputation the church has now, why in the world would people from the world want to come inside the church? We got more problems than them. In a lot of ways. Man, we need to be healthy. We need to be a church that can fulfill the commands of God, that can be healthy enough to minister to the sick people that are coming through the doors. To withstand the, the viruses and the diseases that are trying to infect the church by way of the false teaching, the false gospels out there, the wolves that are coming in. So in our passage, Paul, I believe, gives us six marks or six characteristics of a healthy Christian, which translates to a healthy church. And the bottom line tonight, guys, we're gonna, you're going to be able to evaluate where you're at. How healthy are you? And I believe tonight God wants to speak, and I believe tonight God wants some rededications because you're going to come to the point where you recognize, you know what? I need to get in shape spiritually. Amen? Healthy Christians or churches, number one, they cause others to be thankful. They have works produced by faith. They have labor prompted by love. They have patience powered by hope. They give evidence of salvation, and they get evidence of the gospel. In verse 1, I love this, the three amigos, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. Now, Silvanus is Silas that we read about in the book of Acts. He was, he was Paul's prison buddy. They were the two that were singing praises at midnight. Think about that. What kind of faith is that? What kind of power is that in the Holy Spirit? In prison and you're singing praises. So much so, the people hear it. The jailer gets saved. Amazing work of God. And, and to have that kind of camaraderie in the mission field where Paul was, is amazing. Like Naz is right here down in front, and Pastor Dennis was with us, and Pastor Lesser with us. These guys, having this team around, man, it's so encouraging to have brothers that are working together. And that's what Paul had. He had these guys around him. It was important. It's so, so important to have these co-labors. But he goes on to say, grace and peace to you from God our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, a, a very common salutation from the Apostle Paul. And he starts off verse 2. Number one, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Number one, main point tonight, healthy Christians cause others to be thankful. Simple point, but it's the truth. Cause others to be thankful. And Paul and the gang, they were so encouraged by what they saw, what they heard, what the report was from Timothy that he brought back. Because remember, Paul had been there for three Sabbaths. He got chased out, ends up in Corinth, Wondering what's going on there, he sends Timothy. Timothy comes back with a great report. He writes this letter in response. So thankful. It caused them to be thankful. We give thanks to God always for you, but also caused them great joy. Chapter 3, verse 9 says, for what thanks can we render to God? Meaning that how, how we can't give God enough thanks for what we have seen and what is going on in the Thessalonians. For what thanks can we render to God for you? This is chapter 3, verse 9. For all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God. Going over to the mission field, being in touch with Pastor Alex over there on Tierra Bamba. 
Man, I'd been there once before. Oh, I can't wait to get back to see what happens. We get over there even more thankful to see what God is doing in and through that kid's life. I say kid because he's only like 40 or something. <laughs> Youngster. But it caused them great joy. The bottom line, a healthy Christian is supposed to be and is a blessing to those around them. Man, he brings life to others instead of sucking the life out. And it's tough. I mean, you got to love those brothers and sisters who maybe have that propensity to be a little bit more negative than positive or a little bit more filled with drama. And, and the thing about it, though, you got to ask yourself, are people thankful for you? Or when they see you coming, did they go the other way? Do they bend down, tie their shoe? Do they grab their phone? I got a text. Think about it. Healthy Christians cause others to be thankful. Number two main point, healthy Christians have works produced by faith. By faith. These are the deeds that flow from faith, you guys. Simply stated, those who come to saving faith back up their faith by righteous deeds that honor God. Now, let's turn to James chapter 2 for our first uh, illustration with another passage of Scripture. James chapter 2, verse 14 through 26 I'm sure you've read this passage, but it is so, it's so instrumental in explaining that when you have faith, there's going to be evidence, there's going to be something that backs that faith up. And that backing up of your faith is what we call works. Now, a lot of people struggle with this. Martin Luther struggled so much, he didn't think the book of James should be even in the Bible because the whole works thing freaked him out because when he was there as a, as a, a Catholic monk and priest, whatever, it was all works. And he finally read in Romans there, the just shall live by faith. Sola fide, faith alone. But James explains it properly. And this is something for you to examine in your own heart. Are there works that back up your faith? Verse 14, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says to you, he has faith, but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warm, be filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what is the profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, listen to guys, it's dead. Your faith is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works, the fruit, the proof. You believe there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. And, of course, James is kind of mocking here. You're talking about you have faith, you have faith. Well, where is your faith? Oh, I believe in God. <laughs> so the demons. What, what's different about you than the demons? Kind of be sad to be kind of categorized with the demons, huh? <laughs> A lot of Christians, I'm telling you what. But, verse 20, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by his works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God and was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see, then a man is justified by works 
and not by faith alone. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out to the other way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Back to our main passage of Scripture. In Thessalonians, guys, here it is. Healthy Christians have works produced by faith. And the works here refers to deeds or achievements. For example, the team, they went to Columbia. They demonstrated their faith, one, by getting on a plane, paying the money that it costs to go on the trip itself, but then getting over there to the island, to Colombia, to Cartagena, and doing things because of their faith. They just didn't get over there and sit in the Juan Valdez coffee shop and drink afogados. Now, we did that a bit. You guys know what an afogado is? Afogado is two scoops of vanilla ice cream with two shots of espresso poured over it. Telling you what, the bomb, brothers. That was like almost the Holy Spirit there, baby. Naz, man, Naz, I got him addicted to him. We're going to go to Afogato Anonymous, I'm telling you. But, but they, they ministered, they worked in these deeds as a result of their faith. Now, remember, it's not works unto salvation. That's what Martin Luther struggled with in the Catholic Church back then. I got to do these works this is evidence of me being saved. No, 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 no. That's not what it's about. But works as a result of salvation. How are your works, brothers? Is there any proof in your lives that works are a result of your salvation? Think about it yourself. Now, no, many, many, many of you here, no problem. Your works and your faith are, are tied together. So, number two, though, healthy Christians have works produced by faith. And he speaks of, number three, healthy Christians have labor prompted by love. Paul says there in verse three, work of faith, labor of love. And Paul uses this word labor, and it speaks of hard work. We're talking toil to the point of exhaustion. This is the effort expended in doing something that demonstrates Christ's love. So we have faith and works. Works that are a result of faith. And a lot of times those work translate to labor, doing something tangible, working. And see, their faith in the Thessalonian church was manifested in an outpouring of love. See, they, they labored for the gospel because of their love for Christ. And we were over there, one of the things that we got assigned to, me, Naz, and Lester, was building this shed behind one of the houses there. And... Mind you, it's already, you know, what, 80, 85 degrees, humidity. You just stand there and you sweat. And so, okay, we'll go and build this thing, whatever, whatever. I'm telling you what, it was a labor of love. It was a labor of love, brothers. And I mean that because we weren't even in the sun. We were in the shade still. And it was like, man, this is tough. It was tough. I wanted to go be with the kids. Dennis was over there playing and having a great time and the kids in the shade playing guitar and all that kind of stuff. And we're over there, we're building this shed, we're using the steel studs and everything. But honestly, it was a labor. But we couldn't have done it, though. We would have turned and walked away if we didn't have the love of God in us that said, no, this is what God wants us to do. They had labor that was prompted by love, the love of God in their heart. But yeah, it was hot. It was, it was fun. <laughs> it was a challenge. I remember looking at it going, we were starting at 8 o'clock going, I'm like, 
oh my gosh, we're not going to get anywhere with this thing. We don't know what we're doing. So I'm serious. I said that to myself. And then we prayed, of course, and the Lord just took over in every step. It was never revelation, another revelation, never, because Lester, me, or Naz, we never worked with steel studs. If it had been wood, you know, it would have been a, a different, whole different ballgame. But um, we made it, though. Labor of love. And number four, though, healthy Christians have patience powered by hope. Patience of hope, you guys, in our Lord Jesus Christ. See, they were able to remain joyful and useful while enduring all the trials, the tribulations, the afflictions, the persecutions that these guys were going through. All because they had hope. And guys, hope is powerful. And this hope, though, it produced patience. And you think about it for yourself. What is, what is your, your ability or the motivation for you to get through this day, to have patience at work? I'm going to heaven. I mean, it could be today. And you have to have that as a focus. And this hope produces patience. Go back with me to James chapter 5. Another illustration. James chapter 5, verse 7 through 11. I love this illustration here. And he's talking about the, to the brethren. He's saying, hey, verse 7, chapter 5 of James, therefore be patient, brethren, until when? Until the coming of the Lord. He says, and he uses the illustration of the farmer. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain, you also be patient, be strengthened, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. That is our theme, the coming of the Lord. How many of you guys believe the coming of the Lord is at hand? I mean, we're thinking, but so was James thinking it, so were the Thessalonians thinking it. And yet, we've been waiting a long time. We've got to be patient. We've got to be patient. And while we're patient, we establish our hearts in faith. We don't give up. We don't lose heart. In verse 9, he kind of challenges us. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. In other words, in our patience and our waiting for the Lord to return, we can't start attacking each other. We can't start acting in the flesh. We can't be carnal Christians. Can't be like, man, the Lord didn't come today, and I've got to deal with you another day. The co-worker next to you, or your wife, or whatever, your sons, your daughters. <laughs> you guys didn't laugh at that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> Verse 10, my brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of long-suffering and patience. And indeed, we count them blessed who endured. And remember the prophets, those who spoke, those who writ, wrote, writ, wrote. Even Peter said, what they were writing, what they were longing for, what they were looking for, they never saw. But we have experienced it. We have experienced it. So back to our, our main passage of Scripture, guys. Healthy Christians have patience powered by hope. And this hope was fresh. Remember, Paul had just taught them. And it's interesting to think that this brand new church, these brand new Christians, Paul is going to teach them about the coming of the Lord. He's going to teach them about the rapture. You think, well, you know, that's a subject that you wouldn't want to talk much about. You don't want to talk about the basics and everything. No. Why? Because their hope was fresh, you guys. But also this hope was real. Remember, there were still people alive who had seen Jesus, who had hung out with Jesus, who had saw 
him crucified. They saw him resurrected from the dead. And there were people still alive who saw Jesus ascend into heaven. See, this hope was real for those folks. They were living in it. Man, think about living during that time, seeing all that. No wonder the church started off with such a bang. Their hope was real, guys, but also this hope was close. It was close, and they lived in anticipation. Now, we are to live in anticipation. We're to, to live as if the Lord is coming tonight, but we're also to plan as if he's coming not for a long time. We've got to keep that in mind. One of the problems within the Thessalonian church was they were so excited about the Lord's coming. What did they do? I'll quit my job. We're coming all down to the church. It's kumbaya. We're going to have potluck because the Lord's coming tonight. And that's what they did. And you'll see in 2 Thessalonians, Paul said, hey, whoa, whoa, time out, time out. Yeah, the Lord's coming. I didn't say he's coming like this second. He could come in any time. But, you know, you don't work. Guess what? You don't eat. So anyhow, healthy Christians, they give evidence. They have patience powered by hope. And then number five, main point, healthy Christians give evidence of salvation. Verse four, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. Now, Paul and the gang could tell that these brothers had truly come to salvation in Christ, which gave evidence of their election. We, we go through this whole process of election and predestination and such. But the evidence, of course, is that they were chosen by God. Why? Because of the way that they acted. Number one, their lives had changed. Their lives were changed. There was evidence of their election. How did they know they were chosen? Life's changed. Has your life changed out there? Amen. Is there evidence? Can people see it? Can you see it? Can you tell? Can your wife tell? Can your kids tell? Can your coworkers see? Evidence, you guys. Their lives had changed. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. Old things have passed away. The old man has passed away. The old you has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Amen to that, man. Their lives had changed. Number two, their fruit was evident. One of the things that the Thessalonian church was well known for was their love. And what is the fruit of the Spirit? Man, two guys know that. Come on, brothers. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. But love starts it all out. Their lives had changed. Their fruit was evident, but also their Savior was represented. These guys lived as examples. Look at verse 7. Paul, again, just boasting about this church, just speaking praise to him. He says, verse 7, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. That's like saying you brothers here at Calvary Chapel South Bay became examples to all who were in all of Southern California and will throw a little bit of Nevada and Arizona into there as well. That's what we're talking about here. See, the evidence of the salvations, their lives had changed. There was fruit, and they were representing Jesus properly. They were being imitators of God as dear children, as Paul says there in Ephesians chapter 5. Now, of course, the selection by God is what came to us through Christ, all right? God made the way for election through our belief in his Son. God elected all to salvation, 
All right? And God so loved the world that he chose us for salvation. 316, right? You guys know that verse, right? For God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son, whoever believes. Now, what completes this package is this, guys, this whole thing on the election. We've been chosen, right? But I still need to choose the chooser. I still have to have faith in him. I still have to put my trust in him. We must choose the chooser. He chose us, but I still have to choose him. It's like, okay, I'm going to tell you right now. There's a million dollars down in the bank, and all of you got your name on the account. It's yours. But if you sit in that seat and you don't go take it out, it's not yours. Same with salvation. Same with being chosen. Well, you've been chosen, but you've got to receive that, that, the chooser. So this election, of course, if we don't choose him, then we fall short. Then we weren't elected. We weren't chosen because we did not choose him. These people, they gave evidence of their salvation. They were healthy Christians. They chose the chooser. They choose the chosen, however that goes. Number six, though, lastly, healthy Christians give evidence of the gospel. Evidence of the gospel. How do, what do you think about that? Now, evidence of the gospel, this was the change that came that comes to the heart of a man that leads him to live a life completely different than what he was living. To change him in such a way that no one could deny. They might not believe in your God, but they can certainly believe in the fact that you were once this kind of a knucklehead, but now you're this kind of a knucklehead. You were a heathen knucklehead, now you're a Christian knucklehead. Because we're all knuckleheads, we're all KFCs for Christ, right? See, the Thessalonians gave this type of evidence. They had changed. And think about your own lives. And I've, I've spoken about this before, man. How many times did you try to change your own life? How many times did you try to, oh, I'm cleaning up my act, I'm going to do this, I'm going to fix it, all much, yeah, just to go right back to the same slop, same depression. Same hopelessness, same despair. You couldn't do it. What was it that made the change? I know. Self-help books. I, I think self-help books is the largest category of books in the bookstores. Self-help. Yeah. Or, or back in the day, the old power of positive thinking. Remember that? Who was that guy who wrote that book? Who? He wrote it, well, he, yeah, okay. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the other guy. Yeah, yeah, there was Diane Eggs. That went there. There we go, Hubbard. Yeah, Hubbard. L. Ron Hubbard, yeah. PMA, the only way. Or, or, you know, possibly watching Oprah on TV. That'll change your life. That'll fix you all up. That'll get you right on track. What made the change, guys? The change came and only came when you responded to the gospel. And that's the power that Romans chapter 1, verse 16 talking about. It is the power of God unto salvation. It is the power of God to change a person's life. And that's the only thing that can bring the change. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. They gave evidence of the gospel. Man. And Paul tells them in this as well that it was the same thing that happened to them as well. He goes on here knowing he says, verse 5, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power 
and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance. And there's power in the Holy Spirit which came upon you and me to change us, to make us brand new men. He says, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. They were the same kind of men before the gospel. That's what Paul is saying here. We're the same kind. The, the same change that you guys had, we had. The same thing happened. They gave evidence of the power of the gospel in their own lives, just as the Thessalonians have, just as we have, brothers. So, healthy Christian. Here it is. We're going to start wrapping this up here. The marks cause others to be thankful. How are we doing so far? Have works produced by faith. Have labor prompted by love. Have patience powered by hope. Give evidence of salvation. Give evidence of the gospel. How are we doing so far, guys? So, application tonight. So, let's talk about this a second. I'm pulling out my phone because i got a little, little illustration here for you. All right? So, what do you do if you're not healthy? And we talked about this, right? So, you go to the doctor. Now, what are the three main things the doctor tells you when you go and you're kind of in bad shape? Number one, start eating right, right? Lose weight. Exercise. Exercise. So what do you do? What do you do? You start doing the Rocky thing, right? We've all done that. How many of you guys remember when Rocky came out with that? Now, be honest. How many of you guys did the egg thing? Come on now, brothers. Some of you weren't even born yet. That was in 76. How many eggs did Rocky put in that glass? You know, I've never heard him talk about that, but you watch that. He just sucks it down. Like, didn't even phase him. But that's what you do, guys. You go out, you do the Rocky thing. You recommit, man, I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to start running. And it lasts about two days. You fall flat on your face. That's what happens in the flesh. But now what do you do if you're not spiritually healthy? Got quiet. You got quiet. Well, what you do, of course, is you go to the great physician first. And you confess. You confess your condition and your needs. And here's, guys, where it gets serious. You rededicate your life. You recognize, nah, I'm not as healthy as I can be. Or maybe possibly as I should be. I've been walking with the Lord for 20 years, and I can't even do a, a, a lap around the block spiritually. You confess, you rededicate, you recommit yourself. Number one, you start a healthy diet of the word, not the eggs, of the word. You lay aside the sin as Hebrews tells us, and the weight that so easily entangles us. You, you, you got it. And, and oftentimes, the unhealthy Christian has things, has areas of their life that God is speaking to. And God is trying to bring a correction. And it's, sometimes it's a stronghold. Sometimes it's something you don't want to let go. And yet you know it's a sin that is separating you from the Lord. It's keeping you from being all that God wants you to be, as healthy as he wants you to be. 
You need to lay that stuff aside. And you need to exercise yourself towards godliness. Towards godliness. And so here, here's my spiritual workout for you guys. This is my counsel and my advice if you find yourself in a place where you're not quite as healthy as you think you should be. Number one, and you know what, what is our motto? What does our, our little um, bookmark say? Every man, every day. Every man, every day. Brothers, if you're not in the Word of God every day, that's the first step right there. You make the rocky commitment to being in the Word. I'm going for it. I'm going for it. I'm going for it. Every day. Number two, this is, this is something that's interesting, but think about it. You turn off, if you listen to secular music, you turn off the secular music, guys. Turn off the rap, turn off the hip-hop, turn off the rock, and God forbid, turn off the country. <laughs> and, and then, in place of that, you put on praise. You put on praise. You put on praise. You bring in praise to your heart and your mind. And it's a tough one. Because I guarantee you, half of you are sure. You just, you know, I'm, not, I'm not talking this being something where it's, it's sin, so to speak. I'm talking about you want to get in shape spiritually. These are the things that you need to do. We're not talking salvation. But anybody want to be healthy spiritually? Want to be as healthy as you possibly can be? Turn it off, guys. I've done both. I've gone back and forth. No way. Praise, 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 praise. Number three, this is going to stain, but turn off the news. You've heard me say it before. Turn off. If there's ever a time in our culture, in our society, in our time of life, turn off the news. Why? I'll guarantee you it's causing you to sin. What do you mean? Do you get upset? Do you get angry? Do you get depressed? I'm not saying that depression is such a sin, but it's causing you anxiety. Jesus said, be anxious for nothing. These things that, that when you watch the news, oh my gosh, worry, anxiety, fear. That's not, that's not of God. Turn it off. And number four, in everything you do, do your best to simply just try and imitate Jesus. Chapter 5 of Ephesians. Beloved, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ has loved you. That to me, that's, that's a spiritual workout plan and diet. You, people talk about you can go online, you can get all kinds of diets, you can get all, all kinds of workouts, millions and millions and millions out there. But for the spiritual health guys, those four things, you do those four things and, and I will personally guarantee that your spiritual life will improve. It can't. It, you can't help. The word alone, every day, will change you. So lastly, as we come down to the conclusion here, how many out there realize that you're not as healthy as you need to be? And that, and that area, those, those six areas there, you know, yeah, my, right off the bat, my wife is not thankful often enough when she sees me. So there's a problem right there. Or you don't have any works. Or you don't have any labor. You absolutely have zero patience, especially when you're driving on the freeway or down Crenshaw. Crenshaw. 
Is there evidence of salvation, guys? Is there evidence that the gospel has truly come to life in your heart and your life? So for me, for you, if those marks aren't there, if they're lacking in such a way, as we start this new book, as we start this whole new year, I think we need to do some business with God. And if you need to make that recommitment, if you recognize tonight, if God has spoken to you, that just as going to the doctor and you have that physical and he lays it all out and you're like, oh, it is time to make the change. Maybe tonight is time to make the change. And if that's the case, if you're here tonight, I want you to stand to your feet because we're going to pray. It's time to do business with God, you guys. Let's, let's recommit. Let's, let's get in great spiritual shape. Let's start. It starts with acknowledging your need. You know you're a bit sick. Then we confess, man, Lord, I'm unhealthy. And then we ask God to give us the help. Do you think that God wants to help us? Absolutely he does. Do you think God knows your heart? He knows what's going on? He knows where you're at? Yes, he does. But he needs you and he wants you as strong as you possibly can be spiritually, especially in this day and age, this time in the world history that we're living. Because we all know the spiritual warfare is magnified 10 times, 20 times, 30 times. And we're all targets. And it's just like a disease or an infection or a virus that if you're not prepared for it, if, you're not, if your immune system isn't ready, then you're going to go down. And you could possibly die from it. Same thing spiritually. If you're not ready for the attack... If you're not ready for the lies, if you're not ready for the deceit, if you're not ready for the warfare, then you're going to go down spiritually. So I'm going to pray. I'm just going to encourage you guys to pray with me. But it's between you and God. And this is the time where, man, we make this recommitment. I'm going to do the rocky spiritual thing. I brought that illustration in because it's perfect. Man, we all went through that. We all did that. Oh, it's rocky. I'm going to hit the top of the stairs there, you know, without dying halfway. But this is it, guys. It's serious stuff. God is speaking. God is ministering. He's calling us all. It's time to get as healthy as we can. As we go through this book, God is going to speak. He's going to minister. So let's pray. And Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for these guys that are standing. Lord, as you have spoken to them, as you have really encouraged them by your love. There's no condemnation here. There's no guilt. There's no shame. Lord, we all fall short. We all could be spiritually more healthy than we are. And I pray for each man here tonight, Lord, that you would speak. I've given them their, the, uh, my diet, so to speak. But Lord, you speak, you minister, what it is that you have for them to do. To God, that it would be um, stronger in you, anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Spirit of God, because ultimately, as Zechariah 4, 6 says, it is not by might, nor by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And it's only by the spirit of God that we fight this battle. So, Lord, lift them, build them, strengthen them, Lord. Let this year, let this book, let the coming of the Lord be that motivation for them that says, nah, I'm, I'm done playing. I'm not, I'm not on the fence anymore. I'm not playing and flirting with that sin. I'm not looking at that. I'm not doing that. I'm not checking out this. I'm not dabbling in that no more. It's you. 
and you alone, Jesus and him crucified. So speak, Lord, minister, I pray. Thank you again for these brothers. Thank you that we can co-labor together. Thank you that we're all in this together. And Lord, again, we are so thankful that we are more than conquerors through Christ who gave himself for us. So bless the Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.